And hello, everybody. It is Tom Chenault. That's Adrian Chenault. And it's the Legacy Leadership Radio Show yet one more time. And we're really, really happy to have you watching today. I've been in love with this couple for so long just because they're good at what they do. This book called Go For No for Network Marketing, just go for no period, has been just an absolute Bible to so many people. Then Higdon got a hold of it and took it to the moon. But I'm going to tell you one thing right now. If you don't own this book, you are making a mistake. And I've been waiting for the sequel for a very, very, very long time because <laughs> they're so congruent with what Adrian and I do in our life. And that is, you know, don't blow people up so bad that they, because they told you no, that you never find them again. Because it's just, you know, you can't blow those relationships. Adrian's fascinated by your book. So I was, so we sat down and, you know, we do this pre-conversation. He goes, dad, I got this. These people are unbelievable. I got this. I go, well, no shit, Adrian. So go oh, ahead. Geez. Well, here we go. FTC. Here, hello, yeah, FTC. I'm not supposed to touch cuss, but anyway, what's up? <laughs> yeah, this is this is so fun. And uh, I, I agree. It's a it, this is just the the perfect combination. And I'm excited because uh, I read read your books from afar and now we get to get to know you and, and share you with our audience today. And so, yeah, I, I'd love to maybe just start off, you know, it, it has been a long time coming for this book and and why why now and, and what inspired you to make this happen? The brains of the operation. Yeah, yeah here we go. Um, I have been begging for something to follow, go for no begging. And technically, Tom, you are right. I've been asking for a sequel forever. Something because, you know, the first go for no book is a fable. And that's, it's about a guy who wakes up in a house that belongs to a wildly successful future version of himself. And he has to figure out how this is possible and, and what was it? What is this future version of him? What does this guy know? to make this success possible. And that, and the secret is go for no. So I always had it in my head, like, we're going to do a follow-up that's a fable. But what we noticed over the last few years is that we keep telling people, go for no, go for no, go for no. They get a lot of no's and then they, they're asking us, well, now what? What do I do with these no's? What, what, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to think? So it ended up that all of my harping and begging and, um, nagging turned into when they say no. So it's really a book, uh, a follow-up that's like, how do you handle it now that you actually are starting to get these no's? I, I love that. And, and it's so important. And I think, you know, even at times we, we get wrapped up in that, right. And, and maybe we, you know, we kind of armor up and, and we go, okay, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to go for the no. And, you know, at some point, if we don't contextualize those knows well enough, then it starts to dent our, our excitement and it starts to dent our ego and it starts to, you know, and suddenly we start getting ground down. And so this is really, really important. And, you know, I, I would venture to guess that probably a huge majority of, of our audience is familiar with go for no, cause it's had such a big impact in the world, but surely there's at least one person here who doesn't know. And so I would love for you to talk about go for no is the initial premise because that, that's such a big part of, of your brand and, and how that came to be as well. And then let's build on it and start to talk about the new book. Sure. Well, the, the primary premise to go for no is that you should be increasing your failure rate if you want to be successful as compared to decreasing your failure rate. Right. And I say that based on the idea that most people, when they try to do anything, whether they're a salesperson trying to sell a product or 
they're in network marketing and they're trying to sponsor somebody. They, they think when they wake up in the morning that their function is to go out and get as many yeses as possible while simultaneously trying to avoid no. And, you know, anybody who's successful will tell you that's a recipe um, for, um, for a mediocre income and, and for, uh, perhaps a, for perhaps an average life. Um, the above average person understands that um, yes and no are not opposites. They are opposite sides of the same coin. They are a package deal uh, that you can't get a lot of yeses and get big yeses in your life unless you're going to increase the number of times you hear the word no and you're going to take a little, you know, a few more chances, maybe going after um, some fish that are a little bigger than you're comfortable with uh, and sometimes are going to get away. Um, but if you will just have faith that if you increase the number of no's, you'll increase the yeses. And there's a great story. Um, this young man approached um, Tom Watson, uh, the founder and president of, of IBM. And he said, Mr. Watson, Mr. Watson, what do I do in order to become more successful? He said, double your failure rate. Well, I mean, that's it. Now, the question is, what did the kid do? Right. <laughs> did, he, did he understand that? Or did he just like, well, that's dumb. And then just kind of, you know, go on his merry way. People who get to understand go for no um, um, have extraordinary results. That's that's really cool. And and I Denise called this out. So thank you, Denise. That that idea that yes and no are, are a package deal, that they're the the same they're they're different sides of the same coin is is so important. And it, you know, it's funny. We uh, I <laughs> I got real fired up on a call yesterday and I I kind of made somebody mad. And uh, and they and somebody who I care who I respect and care about love love and uh, and so there so I, I come to find out about this and uh, and you similar sort of things so I'm like oh, like I'm kind of like wigged out about it like oh God, like I I kind of stepped in it and he goes you look stressed and I go I am stressed like this person's upset with me he goes people get mad at me all the time. Like this is no big deal. Achievement and, Christmas. You, and, and I think it's that same kind of thing, right? That when you hear no and, and you make it mean something that it doesn't mean, right? Somebody gets upset and really that was just a misunderstanding. And, and we got on a call and within five minutes, the whole thing was resolved and it was no big deal. But I told my, between the time that I found out about it and got on that call, I was telling myself this big story of whatever. And so whatever the story is that you tell yourself about that feedback that you receive, whether it's a no or whether it's something else, that's really where the breakdown or the breakthrough can occur, right? Absolutely. And the interpretation, and I love, the, I love that you told that story because your brain immediately asks the question, as soon as you get the no, your brain is asking, what does this mean? And so how you answer that question is going to determine what you do next. Top performers, people who win the awards and win the trips at, at their companies, and we see it all the time, these are not people who shy away from hearing no. And they're not people who, you know, aren't used to criticism or negative feedback. They, they get explicit no's and implicit no's. Like they'll put out a video and they'll have a thousand people watch and maybe a couple, only a couple comment or bother to contact them. So they are constantly putting themselves out there and facing that rejection. But the key is their interpretation is, what does this mean? It means nothing. I just keep going. It means, hey, I'm going to learn from it. It means all kinds of positive things as opposed to answering the question, what does this mean? 
And if your brain is working overtime, your brain will can trick you and say, what, what does this mean? Like you're going to be living under the freeway overpass like today. You're, this is so dangerous. You, you really, oh, you're such an idiot. I can't believe you put yourself in this position to get rejected. And that's just your brain trying to protect you. We have to rewire that. And you know, and this is going to get a little odd. Whenever <laughs> oh, something happens to me like that, where it does stick, I stop right there and look at what it stuck to. Because it was a previous experience that had me, somebody totally threw me out, you know, how, something happened. And once I realized what made it stick, I can go back and unwind that and realize I made up a story and forge on. And that's why you love these two books, because they're going to keep you moving. And the name of the game is movement. It doesn't matter as long it, it's going and owning both of these books side by side is something that you really, really, really want to do. And these people have written a masterpiece in the first book. And the second book is going to, it's going to take a test of time. It's written as well as the first one, but that first one, that captured the world. I mean, that book is, you know, John Fogg wrote The Greatest Network, Greatest Networker, right. out, of a, out of a dream like you did, made it a fable and turned into something timeless. That's what you did with the first one. Fogg's been trying to write a new book for, he's a dear friend of mine forever and he can't do it. I think you, we read this book. We think you did it. Yeah. And that's what, that's what's so cool is that you did it on your terms. You waited long enough. The world's been waiting for it. And I think it's, I truly believe it's something that everybody needs to have. And Jim Packard, our buddy who we love him said he can't wait to get the book. And that's the truth. And John J. Michael Smith, did you see the comment he put up? He's the greatest. Well, I know, but he said, Tom, I did not know that Tom Watson after becoming the president of IBM also became a professional golfer. And that's not true. <laughs> so can you believe J. Michael Smith said that? So anyway, no, he, that's two different human beings with the same name, but that's Funny. pretty cool. Don't you think? <laughs> He didn't say that. I made that joke up. Oh, That's I like it. Funny. <laughs> That's I. You left me speechless. I know. I tried hard. <laughs> uh, well, I, I have something kind of funny to tell you, real quickly. When Thanks, we Bob. first when we first wrote the book, we tried to get it published um, through a traditional New York publisher. Uh, we mm -hmm. had a long talk with a major publishing company. I won't mention the name, Simon and Schuster. Um, and uh, <laughs> and they said, uh, "Oh yeah, we're going to publish it. We're going to publish it. We'll fax you the offer on Monday." Monday comes and goes, we don't get the offer. So, you know, we call our agent, what's the problem? Uh, their analysis department determined that this was a niche book that would never sell more than 5,000 copies. And 5,000 copies is where they break even. So no deal. Well, we decided to self-publish the book and write and just do it ourselves. So 500,000 copies sold later, Simon & Schuster might be questioning what a, what a niche is. First off, I hate the word niche, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it, this is something that affects everybody. Amen. Everybody has this issue and everybody needs to, to approach it better. It's beautiful stuff that, that, and I think that, you know, that's such a beautiful example. You know, I, one of my other favorite stories in that, in that self-publishing world was, you know, Tim Ferriss in the four hour work week. And, and he tells the story of going, you know, through every possible publisher and, you know, ends up on, on a really tiny imprint, you know, does get somebody that publishes the book. 
And I think that it was the longest running New York Times bestselling list book of all time, just Mm -hmm. as far as continuous presence on that list. And what, you know, what do you realize out of that, right? It's there, we think that, you know, even a business book, you know, maybe you position this as a business book, this is niche or whatever it is, but this is something that applies to every area of your life. And the, you know, the IBM story that you told early on is, is a perfect example of that, right? We have to learn how to allow ourselves to fail more and fail more often and take more risk in all areas of life in order to be able to do that. And so I love that. I think it's brilliant. We are going to take a quick break here in a second, and we are having an awesome conversation with Andrea Waltz and Richard Fenton, authors of Go For Now, No and their new book, When They Say No, which you definitely want to go pick During up. the break. So go to whenthesayno.com during the break and check that out. You're listening to the Legacy Leadership Show with Adrian Chenault and Tom Chenault on the Genesis Communication Network, whenthesaynobook.com. Very good job. I didn't have it in my memory. How about my wife? She's on here. Sean Miller, Paul Van Dieven, J. Michael Smith, Packard. We love those guys, don't we? We do. They're all awesome. We've got some super fans, and you guys have some super fans that are here cheering you on, and that's pretty fun. Yep. That's very, very cool. All right. We're coming back to the show here. This is a shorter segment. Here we go. And we're back. It's Tom Chenault. It is Adrian Chenault, my little boy. And, you know, as he grew up, what people don't know is I tortured my children because I made them read these books and <clears throat> give me book reports. Or actually, you know, it, it was all they all thought that they were helping me with my job. They didn't realize that I was tricking them in, into reading great books. And so as again, as again, again, please, everybody, your children they need to understand that rejection goes with the territory towards success. And I know you're probably looking for a book that is that book. This is the one you want to get your kids to read because they're going to understand it. They can grip it. It's a compelling story. And then now we've got this one to follow it up. Those kids are going to be Rhodes scholars or what? Kirby salesmen. There we go. baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, so let's talk. This is the perfect little segment. Give us the high level summary of what if I go and pick out when they say pick up a copy of when they say no. I, I just love how practical this is. So talk about kind of the format of the book and how somebody can take this and go apply what you give them in this book today to start helping them to make more sales and to feel better as they do it. So there's four parts. The first part is just called the power of no. And that is kind of framing like Richard did in the beginning of the show here, framing what go for no means and the idea that you should look at no positively and all that. The part of the book is the when they say no piece, which is 41, I guess what you'd call strategies. It's really either something to think something to do or something to say, or sometimes a combination of all of those. It's like almost like a, Uh, a menu. So you get a no, you could literally flip to any one of these 41 strategies and say, okay, is this something that can help me here? They're all, um, they're all very practical, tactical in nature. And um, so like one of my favorites is, and this is a, this is a real uh, simple one, but it's powerful. It's change your state. When you get a no, we get get asked this all the time. I'm getting no's a lot, you know, I'm getting no's and, and there's, especially when you're 
beginning in any project, in any business, it doesn't matter if you've started something up, Adrian, you know this full well. I mean, you've got this vision and you're going to hear no a lot, especially early. And so people ask us, what do I do when like, I feel like that's all I'm hearing. And so literally you've got to change your physiology. You've got to, you've got to get up, you've got to move, you've got to listen to great music, watch a comedy, uh, change how you are thinking and feeling. Don't just jump on social media and start stalking people and, and reading stuff that doesn't inspire and uplift you. You've got to, not that you, you know, I'm not trying to be like toxic positivity here. Like you can't have feelings about no, we get it, but you have that little pity party and then you shut it down and you change your state. I'm in the battle of a lifetime on a project that is so much bigger than me, the solution. And I swear to you guys, this is true. And I don't, is this book on audio yet? Uh, no, soon. So old people don't sleep. So, and I'm as blind as a bat, so I can hear. And so I put this phone right by my ear and I've got this huge project because I cannot live in the size of the problem. I have to live in the solution. And I swear, Emmett Fox, Sermon on the Mount. I can tell you the page I read that says God's got this and do not live in the problem. Then I listen to Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Then I listen to Grant Cardone. And I'm listening to this over and over again because I do not have the luxury of having a bad state. The problem is too big if we're calling it a problem, mm -hmm. but the solution's even better. But what these guys are talking about and what this book is going to get you to is that state because you can find where your head is at any time in this book. And then you're able to go back and dice it and slice it and get back to where you need to be to go out there and fight that battle called success. And if it was easy, everybody would do it. You are in rarefied air being <laughs> that person that's out there stepping up to the plate, right? Yeah. You taking us out for a break? I think I will, but I, it sounds rarefied air is almost like oh, air, air fried air. It sounds fried. delicious. Okay, chicken fried. <laughs> <fried. laughs> you guys, you know, that's, that's one of my, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just made me laugh. That was all. That's a, I'm not embarrassed. <laughs> it, it is so true. And, yeah. you know, it's funny that, as you were saying that, who pops up, but Dan McCormick, who, you know, another of these books that I think is legendary in, in yeah, this world is the greatest salesman in the world and Og Mandino and all of his work. And, you know, what you all have done is standing on those giant shoulders and taking that work into a modern world where there's a whole bunch of different places where you know, the arena looks different than it did in Og's world, even though the principles are the same. And I think that what you are doing is you're arming the next generation of gladiators or however you want to think about it that are out there in the arena and showing a better way to move forward, to overcome the resistance that you face out there. And more importantly, the resistance that can show up inside of here when those things come up. So make sure that you on the break, go and check out when they say no book.com. Go grab a copy of this thing. You'll be so glad you did. It is a, a manual that will help you move forward. And so we're going to take another quick break. You're listening to the Legacy Leadership Radio Show with Adrian Schnall, Tom Schnall, Andrea Waltz, and Richard Fenton. We'll be right back. Okay, and no more. Really. Get rid of that thing. It's killing oh. me. <laughs> He's got his hearing. The hearing aids are terrible. And it's got this high pitch. And it just fell oh. out of my ear. And I stuck it right behind Adrian's head. And he's ready to kill me. <laughs> Lauren Lorraine is having that huge event. And she's got all kinds of deals for you. 
to fill that thing up over the top. So I'm in the break right now because I want you to contact me because I can get you a deal to go to that event. We're coming back right now. Go to her event. And we're back. You're listening to Legacy Leadership with Adrian Chenault and Tom Chenault. We have Andrea Waltz and Richard Fenton, authors of Go For No and their new book, When They Say No. And this is great stuff. We're having a great conversation. And I want to delve into some of these principles and applications. And I want to tie it into some concepts that, that are tied back to something that is obviously near and dear to my heart, which is contact mapping. And the idea of building long-term relationships. And one of the things that I want you to talk a little bit about is, is early in this book when you're kind of in that setup section. And it's the four different selling styles. And so I don't want to lay I don't want to belabor it too much because it's hard to describe obviously when we're in an audio format. But the premise that I want to get into is you talk about there's high relate there's a spectrum of higher low relationships and then higher low results. And the friend salesperson is somebody who's high on relationships, but low on results. And as a result of that, they're stuck in a place where, yes, maybe they, you know, they think they're doing all the right things. They think they're maintaining these good relationships, and yet they're not actually converting the job. They're not, you know, they're not converting and, and making happen what they need to make happen. And what I loved about that premise is that the solution is not to lower the relationship you've got to make a shift on that other axis. And so for somebody who finds themselves in that scenario, right? Who finds themselves like, I, you know, I, I, I'm a relationship person. I, I got into what I do because I love people. I want to serve them well. And yet I obviously want to get results. How do you make that shift from the Such friend zone question. to that more results driven advisor zone? Right. Well, first off, I am your classic friend salesperson by nature. Um, I started there. I was always concerned with what the other person was thinking and feeling and if they were going to like me. Um, yeah. And so therefore, I would never take a chance by, quote, pushing too hard. And in my mind, pushing was asking them to buy what I had to sell right. or asking them to join my team or asking whatever it was that I wanted. And so what I came to realize eventually is that my definition of what selling was and what my function was was wrong. I thought that selling was something you did to people. I saw selling as something evil. I saw it as a manipulative um, uh, task that somehow got people to do something they didn't want to do or shouldn't do. The change in mindset for me, and that I think that most people need, is to understand that selling is not something you do to people, it's something you do for people. And if you've asked great questions and you have a great product or you have a great service or a great opportunity, if you're going to do something for them, then you need to ask them to buy. You need them to ask and ask them to take action. And that if you don't, you're actually doing a disservice. Um, we like to say that to sell is to serve. And a lot of people think like, well, I've got to decide, do I sell them or should I serve them? No, to sell is to serve, right? How do you even give customer service if you haven't got somebody to say yes and have them become a customer? So somewhere along the line, you have to take a chance. You have to ask the right questions and you have to believe in your product or your opportunity. And then you're doing things for people that leads you to this advisor role. And I just want to add in here. The other thing that we have seen and why we put this in this book this time around is that uh, over the years, I think there's been, unfortunately, a 
uh, a belief that's come around with go for no. I think sometimes people hear go for no and they think what it means is to badger people or be rude or be dismissive or be aggressive. And nothing could be further from the truth. We don't go into anything expecting no's. We do go in with a level of acceptance that, hey, not everybody's going to tell you yes, so accept it, but but learn to work with it and don't give up on people easily, like follow up and build those relationships. And so the matrix that we have in that part, Adrian, and I'm so glad that you brought that up, is so important because we don't want anyone to think that you have to be the other style, which has a high concern for results and a low concern for relationships in order to go for no. No, you can go for no and have a high concern for results, but an equally high concern for relationships and have that win-win mindset. But also to Rich's point, you want to have them as a customer and the best way to serve them is to make them a customer. It does require courage. It does require the courage to ask, the courage to accept that no if you get it. And then figure out if there's uh, uh, some time in the future where that may that may change. And that's where the relationship building comes in. I love that. That's so brilliant. And, you know, the world has really gone there. You know, the the I, I come from a corporate background before starting contact mapping. And uh, it, this book actually came out, you know, five plus years ago, but has just grown and grown in its uh, importance and, and just sort of in the, the general term. It has become like a huge term in the marketplace, which is the challenger seller. And that challenger seller is take is really that advisory role, right? You're take you are acting as a leader in that relationship and it doesn't de-emphasize the relationship but it you know to trade you if you're develop if you're doing something only on the basis of relationship like you should buy this just because you like me you've actually kind of cheapened whatever it is that you do because if that's right. the reason alone the that's both wrong and it's no longer sufficient. You have to have both of these things. And so I think that's a really important piece of the puzzle. And Andrea, you you brought up something else that I think is really important. And that it, again, I think ties into this, you know, somebody who is relationship oriented is that when these people say no to you, the worst thing you could do is to assume that they never want to hear from you again. It's actually the opposite and learning to collect these no's and to collect the relationships that went along with those no's and to maintain that connection is one of the smartest things that you can do as a salesperson, right? Absolutely. I mean, if you get that no and then you basically abandon that person and you don't continue to ask good questions and, and follow up and say, hey, glad you made a decision, at least for now. Do you mind if I stay I'm in touch with you just to see if anything has changed and begin that, um, then you have a chance. And it may turn into nothing, right? It may You may go years, and but that doesn't matter. The key is that you stay engaged because if you just uh, assume that no, all, and this is one of the principles in the new book is, you know, no doesn't always mean never. No often means not yet. Uh, we don't know who will eventually turn into and, and make the de yes decision. Um, so we treat everyone equally, build relationships with everybody and, and just help them make, make the best decision. Uh, that's so true. And I, this thought just occurred to me I, and you can tell me, I, I, it could be wrong, but I almost, I just had this like epiphany that if you, if you're talking to somebody and as soon as they say no, you disappear from them and are kind of never to return, 
that's like the least relational thing you could do, right? Like you just essentially became the person you say you don't want to be because you're, you just demonstrated in your actions, actually, this all was transactional, right? That is it exactly. You know, it's like, hey, this is the best product, the best service, the best opportunity. You need to, you need to buy, you need to join. No. Okay. I'll just move on to somebody else. And then, I mean, really, what does it say about you? Adrian, you've hit it exactly. It says the wrong things about you. You know, if you were, if you went out shopping with, with your, your mother, your father, and you went to buy something and, and they said, ah, I don't think I'm going to get it. But you think, you think they should, you'd go, no, mom, no, 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 you're, you're getting this right. I mean, you would force them to make the right, right decision. We have to treat our, our customers or our prospects the same way we would treat our family. Amen. So if we can just learn to treat human people like human beings instead of leads and prospects, that's going to change everything. Our entire premise is interview somebody, remember, 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 ask, and you're constantly loving them before you're, you know, and it could be manipulation. I don't think it is where you're just looking for a crack in the armor where what you've got fits their life. And in my life, big time, it's sobriety. So I'm constantly in conversations with people that I wouldn't dare push something upon them that they didn't want that wasn't going to serve them. And I think this is such, so somebody tells you, no, you just go right back to that rotation of remember where you're remembering, you're remembering, you're remembering it. So you're setting it up where you can ask again. But what's come to me in this conversation is these books are so dang important because we're being barraged with tricks, whether it's artificial intelligence or funnels and all the stuff that dehumanize this process right here. I am telling you, you're losing the battle. And that doesn't mean that those things don't work to get people into the funnel. But once you get them there, treat them like human beings, use the skills in here, know that no goes with the territory, as does yes, if you create that professionalism in the way that you treat them. And professionalism is a synonym, just like rare refried air, for, <laughs> for kindness, love, empathy, and relationship, right? I, I totally agree. And Paul, your comment is good, but it covered up my whole face. So I had to take it back off the screen. <laughs> but you, you're so right. And what happens when we do that, and, and to kind of summarize what Paul said, you know, he's he's been one of our customers on contact mapping for two years now. And he circles back to these people. And lo and behold, people who, you know, maybe he thought never in a million years were they going to be interested in, in trying his product or joining his business or whatever. Something changes, whether it's in the relationship, whether it's in their trust of you, whether it's in their experience of your credibility, whether it's in their personal circumstances, all these things are constantly shifting and changing. And suddenly that person who was a hard no is exactly looking for what you have. And there's no worse feeling in the world than watching them go join somebody else because you didn't do your job and stay in touch. Right. And I think exactly. Paul Van Leeuwen, I'm stealing you. Sorry. I think he, this guy is a listener for those on the radio. He's, he said that, you know, this is his philosophy. And I'm telling you, this morning on the phone, I called him. His company changed the name. And I asked him if it was a name change. And bam, that trap just snapped. And he had my head in there before I knew it. And he was telling me all the things about his company again. Because he yeah. had an opening without selling, which is exactly what these two books are all about. I love that guy that made the comment. And go ahead. I know I interrupted you, Andrea. But that is a case in point. 
But oh, well, I just wanted to add, you know, that's the funny thing, Adrian, you alluded to this about, um, about the idea that some people might think that these tools or tools at all are manipulation. No. And my question is, uh, so would you rather have somebody who just doesn't care and makes no attempt to get to know you and utilize a, a system or tools, or would you rather th know that somebody cares enough to take the time to learn about you and learn and utilize and spend time and money and effort to get to know you? I mean, really, what I don't understand the um, the pushback sometimes when people say like, "Oh, remembering people's names is manipulation," or uh, you know, and and using these tools is manipulation. No, so you'd rather have somebody not use tools <laughs> and just forget your name. I mean, it's it's crazy. And here's how you know whether you're a prospect or not. Instead of their friend or a human, just tell them no and watch how they never call you again. It's unbelievable. It it it's embarrassing. So this is the Legacy Leadership Show. We're on the Genesis Communication Network, which is a blowtorch all over the world on AM radio. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Stick around. We're coming back right after this for the final segment. Had a baby. Thank you so much, Dr. That Adrian. That was good. It felt like he was going into the full lineup, so I had to push him into the stretch. I was in the full lineup. He <laughs> picked me off the first grade. Oh. This has been so fun. Great. Paul, this is, I love all the comments. Thank you, Sean. So glad yeah. you're here. Bronwyn all the way in Australia. Denise, the ultimate commenter. You know, she's on a mountain. She's on the side of a mountain. Is she? I Taking a long walk and she wanted to see this so bad. She took her phone up on the side of the mountain to do this. We're coming back right now. And we're back. It's the Legacy Leadership Radio Show with Adrian and Tom Chenault. We're with Andrea, ben, uh, Andrea Waltz and Richard Fenton. And just had a great conversation. I can't believe we're already did the final segment talking mm -hmm. about their great new book, When They Say No. Go grab your copy at whentheysaynobook.com. And, I, you know, I, I actually I want to give the floor to you two because there's so much here that I, I, I want to hear what is on your heart to share with our audience today. Good. Because I think there's, I think you've got some really important messages mm -hmm. here, and I feel like we've only barely scratched this. They're masters. We should bring them back. We should. Keep going. We absolutely will come back. Uh, do you want to talk about not taking no personally? Um, do you want to talk about the? Yeah, I think I think that probably the central issue for most people is that they have not separated themselves from the product or the service or the opportunity they're offering. Um, they take a no personally. They think the no is somehow a reflection on them as an individual. And, and of course, um, that could happen. I mean, people do reject people because they don't like them, but that's the rarity. You know, generally it's not. It's the, it's the price, the size, the, you know, the, the timing's wrong. It's too big. It's too little. It's too light. It's too dark. I don't have the money. I have to ask my spouse. There's usually something else going on. It's not the individual and what we like to make the analogy is, um, can you imagine a customer walks into a Baskin Robbins 31 flavors ice cream store and they walk up to the counter and they say, um, I'll have a, a scoop of butter pecan. And can you imagine the vanilla ice cream going, oh, no, I've been rejected. How come they don't like me? Well, it has nothing to do with you. It's customer preference. It's customer preference. People prefer certain things. And the reality is the next customer is going to come in and want a scoop of vanilla. 
So did that mean that you're now fantastic? No, again, there's customer preference, there's timing. There's so much that goes into it. So no, very rarely has anything to do with you. It has to do with something that's going on in the prospect's life or in their head. It's not, it's almost never about you. Right. Well, and and just to dovetail on this, because this is what is always on my heart when it comes to rejection. And when I got this, when I really got this, and I got it from reading a book called The Four Agreements, which I felt so encapsulates, there's, there's a part of one of the agreements is not to take things personally. And because I was somebody who really did, and also a people pleaser and all of that. And um, when I learned that rejection and really anything that other people do isn't about me. It's about them, even when it has to do with me. That was so freeing. So rejection, a no, isn't about you, even if it's about you. It's still about them. And when you get that, you will have a level of personal freedom that just helps you detach from needing that approval and being that people pleaser to where um, you can really explode your results. But not only that, just your personal, um, I guess, serenity and confidence. There you go. That's so huge. And it allows you to then, if I'm thinking it's about me, then I'm stuck in this space of Number one, an echo chamber of I'm just basically talking to myself at this point and, you know, making up some story about why I'm not good enough or whatever that is. Whereas when you can begin to understand that it's greater than 50 percent and probably much greater than 50 percent to do with whatever is going on with that other person in their story and whatever, it allows you to then begin to operate from a space of curiosity and to then ask the next question and to wonder about it. And, and who knows? You know, maybe they go, no, it's actually just that you're really annoying or, you know, whatever. But at least, you know, then you actually do know rather than just making up a story about why that didn't go the way that you wanted it to stay in the conversation. That's going to allow you to actually get feedback that you can do something with. And I I agree with you 100 percent. You're going to find out over and over and over again that it has way it has almost nothing to do with you and everything to do with what they've got going. And it's not that none of those excuses or objections or whatever are permanent because those people are changing all the time. You stay in relationship. Yeah, one of the funniest things is <clears throat> I am such a terrorist that when <laughs> I, it's horrible. And so I had to reframe my brain because <laughs> my friends, my good friends, they just cannot tell me no, because they know I won't accept it. So they ignore me. And I finally had to even reframe that to they love me so much, they don't want to tell me no. But you can make every conversation go your way. And, you know, these guys dodge me just because they love me so much. And that's that whole thing is how I live my life, where I refuse to put any negative karma in. Did it work? I think you did. No, I put this thing back behind his ear oh, to bug him. Oh, there you go. No, So I snuck that over there to yeah. see if I could bug him, but it didn't work out. You're so. a horrible person. I know I'm your dad. <laughs> you get you get tortured. I know it. Uh, you yeah, that's that that is the least of my problems, Andrea. Let me tell you <laughs> All right. This has been such a fun show. We're oh, gonna yeah. have a show after the show. So don't hang up, Facebook friends. Uh, we're gonna keep going here in a minute. 
But I, I just want to make sure we have enough time to say that this new book, When They Say No by Richard and Andrea, the website back is just fantastic. Jason will get the website up there. It's when they say no book.com. So do make sure you go over there and pick up a copy of it. When you do, read it and then leave them a review because this is something that needs to be out there in the world. It's something that more people need to hear and experience because it's going to give you more peace of mind and it's going to help you to take more action. And at the end of the day, that's really what it comes down to. That's how you're going to get where you need to go. So what a fun show. Thank you guys so much for being here. Do stick around. Next week, we have Jordan Kemper, who is- Oh, I love him. One of the best guys out there. Just a good human being. Crushing it in the field of network marketing and doing a lot of other cool stuff too. So looking forward to that conversation. Thanks for listening to Legacy Leadership and we'll see you next week. Very nice out. How about that? Okay. So fun fact, where did Jordan Kemper's dad live? I have No, his father-in-law. I'm sorry. I don't know. Macintosh Lake in Longmont. How about that? Bang, bang, right here. (laughs) Yeah, that's a fact that no one knows. Yeah, so uh, Jason Garcia, you're a hot guy. mess. Yeah, so <laughs> the name of the game, you guys, your book is it's it's not a book, it's a textbook. You guys got do you have a two book special up there, or is it just 500 bucks for each book? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Amazon likes to mark this is all Amazon, so whatever, however, they want to market uh, those things. So, Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield. We're trying to publish the first chicken soup book and they uh, went to everybody and none of the publishers would give them the book. And they finally walked in the door and they got, they said, okay, it's going to cost you $130,000 that they didn't have because no one wants a book with stories in it. And Mark looked them right in the eye and said, have you ever heard of the Bible? So yeah, <laughs> that was pretty funny, but you got to overcome objections and that's, that's, that's right. awesome. That is so funny. That that's story great. might be true. Yeah, those guys are the classic uh, go for and anybody who wants to, I mean, it's really anything, but I mean, if you want to write and publish a book, you better just embrace rejection quickly. That's exactly right. You guys are amazing. So glad to finally get to really meet you. What a fun yeah. conversation. And Thanks. yeah, let's definitely fun, you guys. back again soon. You guys are so Venmo, generous. I'm Venmo you some money and you can send me an autograph copy because this did not come autographed and upstairs. There's a Hall of Fame, and I want, I'll buy them. I just want one of these. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, we will absolutely do that. Yeah. And um, and that's because I had to order off of Amazon just to get it to you guys in time. So, I yes. And this one's even autographed by somebody. It's by Ray. Huh? That's by Ray. Well, that doesn't oh, say Ray. Ray. It's hieroglyphics. <laughs> All right, Ray, yeah, our, Ray is a super gopher knower. Yeah, so sure. we love you. And we Thank really you. want to promote this thing Thank over you, and guys. over and over Very again. Kind. And someday it's going to say with Adrian Chenault right there instead of Ray Higdon. When you <laughs> tell him he's got a target on his forehead. Uh-oh. We love you. <laughs> love you guys. Hey, we'll talk. We love you guys too. Thanks.